Welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on Sunday, April 22, 2018, on the basis of Luke 24, verses 36 through 49. At least according to Freud, religion is nothing more than wish fulfillment. Let me explain that a little bit. In Freudian psychology, wish fulfillment is where you want something to be true so badly deep down in your heart that your mind actually tricks you into thinking that it is true. According to Freud, this is why we have dreams when we sleep. A dream is nothing more than your mind sort of projecting a false reality that deep down in your heart you wish you want were actually true. So when it comes to religion, Freud would say that people invented religion as a way of coping with their greatest fears and anxieties in life. So against the seeming chaos and unpredictability of life, people invent this idea of an all-powerful God who's watching over and ruling over all things. Against the immoral and wicked desires that are inside of our hearts that people might just go out and act on, we invent this divine system of, of laws and regulations that we tell people they need to follow. Against the worst injustices carried out in this world, injustices that often go unpunished, we invent the idea of divine judgment. Sure, you might get away with things in this life, but one day we will all have to meet our maker. And then finally, against the harsh realization of our own mortality, people invent the idea of an afterlife, a place where you can live long after you've died. According to Freud, the reason people believe all of these things is because deep down they just want them to be true. Well, even if Freud were right, and believe it or not, in a certain sense he is right, deep down inside of us there is a sense that wants to believe in divine providence, in morality and accountability, in judgment and the afterlife. Of course, the reason that that sense is there is because God put it there. And so it's no wonder that just about every religion in the world has those basic elements in it. But, but even if Freud were right, and even if the only reason people believe those things is because deep down they want those wishes to come true, there's still one big problem. It doesn't work with one big thing. It doesn't work with the big thing, the big event that is at the heart and core of the Christian faith, the big event that really started the Christian faith as a religious movement and institution, it doesn't work with Easter. In fact, today we're going to see as we look at these verses from Luke chapter 24 that it actually works just the opposite with Easter. Yes, it is true that all of us as human beings have dreams, we all have wishes, we all have things that we tell ourselves, if only I had this, if only I could do that, if only this, that, or the other thing would happen in my life, then I would be at peace, then I would be happy, then I would be content and satisfied. And yet today we're going to see that the reason we believe in Easter is not in order that all of those dreams and wishes can come true, Really, we're going to see that the reason we believe in Easter is in spite of the fact that they won't. As we look at these verses from Luke 24 today, we're going to, to receive kind of a, a harsh and seemingly tough message from God. And that message is simply this, that Easter means that all of your wildest dreams will not come true. Like I said, that kind of sounds like a harsh lesson. 
but it really helps explain exactly what's going on in these verses from Luke 24. These verses, just like the verses we looked at a couple of weeks ago, take us behind locked doors on the very first Easter evening. And what's important for us to note today is everything that we already know has taken place prior to this. Prior to this, Jesus had appeared. Jesus had shown himself alive at least four separate times. He had appeared to the women who had gone out to the tomb bright and early first thing Easter morning. He had appeared to Mary Magdalene as she was sitting weeping outside the empty tomb. He had appeared to Peter, though we don't have a lot of details as to when or how. And then finally, he had appeared to two disciples who were walking from Jerusalem to a small town nearby known as Emmaus. Now, what's important about the scene that's in front of us in Luke 24 is by the time this happens, all of those people to whom Jesus had appeared were back together in the same room, which means that they could fact check. They could compare stories with one another. What exactly did you see? What did he look like to you? What did he say to you? All of the information that they needed to know with certainty that Jesus had risen from the dead was right there in the room. And yet what happened when Jesus stood among them? They thought they were seeing a ghost. And even after Jesus invited them to come real close and take a good long look, what does it say? It says they doubted. What's going on here? What explains all of this? Well, this isn't the skepticism that we saw from Thomas two weeks ago and that we certainly see a lot of in our modern and secular world. This wasn't an intellectual denial that supernatural, miraculous events like resurrections can even possibly occur. No, this was something a little bit different. On that road to Emmaus with those two disciples, Jesus had said to them, how slow of heart you are to believe. Not how slow of mind or intellect, but how slow of heart. And then when he appeared in the room, and at first they didn't believe, Jesus said, even though our our translation kind of botches it, he didn't say, why do doubts arise in your minds? He said, why are there doubts arising in your hearts? What they're seeing wasn't too big to fit inside their brains, but it turns out it was too big to fit inside their hearts. See, during the three years that they had spent with Jesus, these disciples had developed some pretty big dreams, some pretty big wishes for what Jesus was going to do and what he was going to bring. They thought he would rise to power, that he would help Israel overthrow the Roman government, that he would restore Israel to its great, grand, glory days. In fact, these are the dreams and wishes that all of God's people had for five centuries about the Messiah. These were big dreams. Turns out they weren't big enough. And so when they were confronted with the reality of Jesus' resurrection, it wasn't as if it was too big to fit in their minds. It was, in fact, too big to fit in their hearts. Maybe the most helpful comment is the one that Luke offers. He says that they didn't believe because of the joy and amazement that was in their hearts. They knew what they were seeing, but they were convinced that it was just too good to be true. ask me, this is the kind of Easter doubt that you and I can easily slip into. Not so much an intellectual doubt, but more of a functional one. A doubt that is very quick to say, very quick to acknowledge that Jesus did in fact rise from the dead, 
but a doubt that is very slow to live that way. You might think of it this way. When you were very young, I'm guessing you were very easily and very naturally very flexible. You could bend down and touch your toes. You could maybe even put your palms all the way flat on the floor. Maybe you could do the splits or at least come close to it. You could probably take your your big toe on your foot and bring it all the way up and touch your nose, maybe even put your foot behind your head. Can you do any of those things today? Of course, the older and older we get, the less and less flexible we get. And pretty soon, it's hard enough to bend down and tie our shoes. We have to bring our, our foot up a little bit closer in order for that to happen. Well, the very same thing can happen with our hearts. God created us to dream big dreams and to wish big wishes. But then the more we live life and the more the harsh reality of life sets in, the less and less the figurative muscles of our heart are flexible. The more and more they contract. The more we live life, the smaller and smaller our wishes become. And the more even our wildest dreams get tamer and tamer. And then eventually we're confronted with the reality of Easter. And and it's not as if it's too small to fill up the desires of our hearts. The reality is it's too big to fit in our hearts. Let me give you some examples. When it comes to morality, good and evil, right and wrong, your day-to-day behavior, it's easy for us to think that the dream is just gradual, continual, incremental improvement. I want to be one step better than I am today. Tomorrow I'm just going to be a little bit more patient, a little bit less irritable with the people around me in my life. That's the dream. And then, of course, at the end of the day, no matter how well I've done, God will look at me, he'll see that I've tried my very best, and of course that'll be good enough, and he'll love me enough, and of course I'll get into heaven. If that's as big as our dream gets... Easter is still too big for our hearts. Easter won't fit. When it comes to divine providence, God watching over and ruling over everything that happens in our lives, it is so easy for the dream to be that things go pretty well. We know they're not going to go perfectly, but hopefully there's more good in our life than bad. And hopefully if anything bad comes along, it'll eventually come to an end. Hopefully there's a light at the end of every tunnel. If that's as big as the dream gets, Easter is going to be too big for our hearts. Easter won't fit. When it comes to eternity, to the afterlife, it's very easy for us to look around at everything that is material, everything that is physical in this life, and watch how it all just wastes away, including our own health, including our own bodies. And it's very easy for the dream to be that one day, the immaterial part of us, the soul that is inside of us, will somehow escape and be free from all of that decay and corruption and will go off to some nebulous spiritual place where we will enjoy an eternity forever. If that's the dream, Easter is going to be too big for our hearts. Easter won't fit. Friends, do you walk around on a regular basis just burdened by guilt about, about not improving as fast as you want to improve, letting someone whom you love down yet again? Do you live life frustrated or maybe even angry with God because of the things that he's allowed to happen in your life because of the trials and tribulations that you've gone through? Are you sort of callous, sort of 
bitter and cynical about life because it seems as though all of your wildest dreams have not and will not come true. If so, might I suggest that it's not because those dreams were too big. It's actually because those dreams were much too small. Maybe, just maybe, our hearts have gotten too small for Easter. So how do we stretch them back out to size? Well, notice what Jesus does for his disciples. He doesn't just keep pointing to his hands and his feet. He doesn't just keep pointing to his flesh and giving them proof that he's alive. No, instead, he points them to the scriptures. Jesus says, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. And this is what is written, that the Messiah would rise to power, overthrow the Romans, and restore Israel to its glory days? No. This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. Friends, on that Easter Sunday evening, Jesus didn't help his disciples form smaller, more realistic, more manageable dreams that hopefully would come true. No, he helped them see the big, better, grander dreams that they should have been dreaming all along. From the law and the history of Moses to the poetry of David to the prophecy of Isaiah and Jeremiah, the entire scriptures were saying the same exact thing. Here are the dreams that you should be dreaming. Here are God's wildest dreams that he has for you, all of which have come true in Jesus Christ. What are those dreams? Well, when it comes to morality, it's not gradual, continual improvement. Rather, the dream is still perfection. The dream is that we would be able to enjoy an existence, not only where we don't have to worry about letting down loved ones, but where we don't have to worry about letting down even God, where God would be able to look at us and be perfectly pleased and satisfied. The dream is not simply that God could love people and forgive people enough that even the, that the people who have tried really, really hard to be good could somehow get into heaven. No, the dream is that God can love and forgive even the people who have tried really, really hard to be bad. That's the dream that Easter makes come true. When it comes to divine providence, God overseeing the events of our lives, the dream is not simply that more good than bad would happen or that all bad things would come to an end. The dream instead is that God himself uses evil for our good, that he takes even the worst of what is going on in our life, he turns it completely upside down, and he uses it for his purposes and for our eternal good. The dream is not that one day, from the perspective of heaven, we'll be able to look back at our lives on earth and say, whew, I'm glad that's all over with. Instead, we're going to look back at our lives on earth, the very worst things that happened to us, and we're going to be able to say, that's what got me here. That's what kept me close to Jesus. That's why I'm here today. That's why someone else is here today. That's the dream that Easter makes come true. When it comes to our eternity, the dream is not some 
vague, nebulous, immaterial existence off somewhere. No, the dream is that one day material and immaterial will be reunited on the other side of our grave. The dream is that the first blossoms of spring that delight our eyes. The dream is that the sounds of a Bach motet or a Broadway musical that delight our ears. The dream is that the savor of a ribeye steak cooked medium rare, the sweetness of a creme brulee that we let roll over our taste buds again and again and again. The dream is that the electricity that we feel when we hold hands on a first date, the comfort we feel in the embrace of the people we love most, the dream is that we will get to enjoy those material, real life, flesh and blood things only infinitely better for all eternity. Has your heart gotten a little bit too small for Easter? Thankfully, God has given us exactly the right tool to help stretch that heart back out, to make room so that Easter can fit. So do me a favor. Actually, do yourself a favor. Don't let it go to waste. Imagine a friend, a really good friend who calls you up on the phone and says, you'll never believe what happened. And then they go on to explain in elaborate and vivid detail this thing, whatever it is, that they consider to be so exciting, so beautiful, so important. They go on and on and on. That's exactly what this book is. It is God describing for us in beautiful, elaborate detail, here are my wildest dreams for you, all of which have come true in Christ Jesus. Don't be the friend who sits there on the other end of the line, patiently listens, and then at the end of it just kind of shrugs and says, meh. Don't let this book sit on your shelf collecting dust. Don't let your top Sunday morning priorities be sleeping in or playing sports or watching sports instead of being in God's house. Don't be satisfied with one hour in God's word when you could have two. Don't think to yourself that this is something that, yeah, the kids probably need, but by this point in my life, I've had enough. Don't let it go to waste. Why? Because this is a book that doesn't tell you how tomorrow you can be a little bit better than you are today. It's not a book that tells you how you can make more good things happen in your life than bad. It's not a book that talks about some vague spiritual existence in all eternity. No, this, this is a book that, that doesn't tell you that all of those dreams are going to come true. This is a book that teaches you to dream new dreams, to dream bigger and better and grander dreams than you ever thought were even possible, and then tells you that those dreams are going to come true. This is a book that, yes, delivers what seems to be a tough lesson, that Easter means that all of your wildest dreams aren't going to come true, but also delivers the incredible news that even wilder ones will. Why? Because Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.